It is good again to be with you. Merry Christmas. I can't believe it. Um, and so, man, what a blessing it is to have our kids uh, come up and to, to be a part of the service today, but also to, to lead us in, uh, in worship in that way. Uh, I think it was really remarkable. Um, I really believe that we, uh, I mean, it's what's remarkable. You get to see like our age groups. We have a lot of young, young kids uh, downstairs and they're full of energy. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure, I, I was impressed that they kind of stayed put. We weren't really sure how this would go, actually. Uh, and so grateful um, for them. And so I'm curious, kids, are you excited about Christmas? Like Christmas is basically here, right? Like, are you, yes? No? You're not, you're not excited? Yeah? I know, I know at least two of mine are excited uh, about tomorrow and this special day. I, I think of Christmas, too, and I think of, like, for a kid, at least, for when I was a kid, like, Christmas was the calendar. Like, I, everything was measured by Christmas. You know, it's like, all right, man. Like, I, I, after Christmas was over and you get into the year, you're like, all right, 10 more months till Christmas. Like, my mind is going already towards Christmas and a countdown uh, towards the Christmas season. So believe it or not, it is tomorrow. Uh, Levi, I know you're excited about it. So Christmas, exactly. And someone else jumping in the back. That's good. That's good. Um, but, but one quick thing, too, just a note, you know, I just want to make sure to, to cover my bases this morning. Uh, for one, I saw Jesus got left in the manger uh, there. So, you know, uh, trying to, try, we'd like to take Jesus with us, but sometimes, but we forget, you know. Um, but, uh, but also, you know, just in case if you already prepared the email of like, hey, Eric, I know I saw some wise men at the manger scene. Like, if you not heard, pay attention. The wise men weren't at the, the manger. Yes, I, did. I do recognize that. Uh, and so feel free to hold. And you know, some of you are looking at me like, wait, what? The, the wise men weren't at the manger scene? Uh, and so you can read your Bibles if you want and, 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 find those, and find those stories and see those things. But one thing that is special about this, the picture of that is the wise men coming to offer their gifts they come to, to worship the king. And I believe that is exactly why we are here this morning. We want to worship the king. The king who comes. The king who comes. And as we've been looking at, and I know some of you have been in and out maybe during the holiday season or maybe you're visiting with family. And so you're kind of jumping in at the end of a series that we've been looking at. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Isaiah. And you're like, where is Isaiah? It's one of the bigger prophecies uh, and it's in the Old Testament, so if you go to the Old Testament, you'll find it there. It's not quite halfway in your Bible, but pretty close if you look at mine there. So Isaiah uh, chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Um, and so this morning, we're looking at the last name, this idea of this king, this coming child. Who is this child? What, is, what child is this? As we were singing just a, a second ago, as the kids were helping us as well, is who is this child that's to be born? And we get this last title, it's the Prince of Peace. So what is peace? When we think of this word peace, what does it really mean? It's this word, it's this Hebrew word that we get shalom from. You've probably heard that if you've uh, been around any Jewish literature or, or heard different things from that. You've probably heard the word shalom. You may be even familiar with its meaning potentially. But when we think of this word shalom or peace, it's this idea of wholeness of completeness, something that's in harmony. And really, if you actually, if you kind of take a, a big, broad look at the Bible, it is one of the key themes of the Bible. If you ever do a little word search and you're studying this word peace and finding it throughout the Bible, what you quickly find is it is a major theme of Scripture. 
If you're reading in Paul's letters, oftentimes you get this phrase from him, grace and peace to be with you or to you, like in Galatians. We see this, this phrase and this, this word used throughout Scripture, but what is it? And, and I think that everyone is on a search to get it. I want peace. We all want peace. But what we find, if you open your Bibles and you look and you quickly learn that three chapters into the Bible, Adam and Eve already had peace. They had it. They had actually what we call perfect peace. They had harmony in their relationships. They were, there was no worry like I have of a, of, a, of a shark attacking me when I get in the ocean. Like I'm terrified of sharks. There's a few fears of mine. I don't know what yours are. Mine's lightning. I, I don't know. There's something about lightning that's just terrifying to me. I don't know if it's like bazillion volts <laughs> that are coming at you that can kill you. So it's terrifying to me. Uh, when I think of sharks also, like, like I've seen enough shark weeks. If you have, it's also kind of terrifying. And snakes. I'm like, snakes, no thank you. Uh, I, was, I was seeing some pictures of my middle son, him holding a snake. And I'm going like, what are you doing? Why would you ever touch a snake? And they said its, it's mouth was taped. I'm like, well, that's great. I still wouldn't touch it, just in case, uh, you know. But we think about it. They're, they're in the garden, and they're at perfect harmony with all of creation. There's a completeness. There's a wholeness. There's not a, a need that they have. Everything that they need is fully met and complete. But in chapter 3, when they sin, they lose it. All of a sudden, immediately see the effects of sin. The effects of sin where all of a sudden now they feel something that they hadn't ever felt before called shame. They had a fear that they had never felt before. And all of a sudden they have this fear. They're scared of God. They don't have like this beautiful fear of God and his wonder and his beauty and his majesty and awe about him. No, they're terrified of him because they know they've done something wrong. They don't have peace with God anymore. And because they don't have peace with God anymore, they don't have peace even with each other. And actually, when we look at all of creation, it is groaning for peace, for completeness, for wholeness. And it's a longing and it's an anticipation of longing and waiting for a coming king. Someone, and so in the midst of this, if you have a Bible, again, Isaiah chapter 9 has been our kind of primary text this morning. We're actually going to shift to the New Testament and look at a, a passage of Scripture by Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 2. But as we look at this one final time at Isaiah 9-6, I, I, I want us to read it out loud together. So I think we'll have it on the screen for us to read together. So Isaiah chapter 9, I'm going to be reading in the ESV, so ESV will be on the screen if you want to keep along with what I'm saying at least. But uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's read this together. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This, who is this child? And when the, we've said in this series, when this, when this prophecy came, it came in the midst of a lot of turmoil and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and no peace. It comes at a time when Assyria was a world superpower. At the time, when, and they were a ruthless, conquering nation. They were rising up and conquering nation after nation. And so if you can find some of these events in 2 Kings, 
Uh, and as we look at the stories of the kings and the line, and all of a sudden the kingdom of, of God, God's chosen people that were divided into two, uh, two, two nations. You had this Israel and Judah. And as they're divided and had their own separate kings, eventually Israel was freaking out over Assyria and freaking out about what they're going to do. And so they're trying to go in with uh, some foreign nations and hope to, to perform and protect themselves. And they want to go in with Judah as well. And they're terrified. And, and Ahaz was not a, a godly king, but he, he feared what was to come. And so instead of working with them to try to defeat, he actually went to the Assyrians. And went to the king and said, hey, I'll go into an agreement with you. Because what happened was they had turned their backs on him. And Judah had come against Israel. Again, such a divided, such a conflict. And here is when this prophecy is given. It's in the midst of a darkness. And here's the picture of there's the people who walked, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They're in the midst of darkness, fear. And here, sure enough, what we know is they were exiled. They were taken away from their homeland. And all of a sudden, their fears are coming true. But yet, here in the midst of a lot of unrest and fears and wondering what's going to happen, we get this wonderful prophecy that tells us a few phrases that are so important. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Meaning like, hey, we're worried about governments and conflicts, and who's going to be, are we going to be taken from our homes? Are we going to lose our businesses? Are we going to lose everything? Are we going to lose our families? Are we going to become slaves again? And sure enough, that's the fears, and here comes a promise from God saying, there's a child who's going to be born. And it's not just born, it's born for you. A child given. Not just a child born who's going to rule and reign and bring you. He's actually a child who's given to us. And his name shall be called. We've looked at all of these names. Wonderful counselor. He is wonderful in his counsel. He has all knowledge and all wisdom. And here he comes with perfect counsel. He doesn't need a, 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 an advisory board to help him with decision making. He is wonderful in his counsel, this child that's going to be born. He is an everlasting father. He is a mighty God. He is this, there's these pictures of deity. Like this child is not just any ordinary person. He's mighty God. And to his people, he will be like a father to them. We looked at last week. And here we get this last phrase. He's going to be the prince of peace. You know, I've mentioned um, over, over this series, and I mentioned it a few times, but this, there's a couple of different athletes that I've heard these phrases from that are wanting peace. I remember Michael Jordan when he was in his, in his retirement speech even talking about like, I have given everything to basketball. Is there going to be, can I find peace anywhere else? How am I ever going to live on and ha have peace? This is the question that everyone asks. Is like, I want peace. I want serenity. I want harmony. I want my relationships to be restored. Here's the reality. We want peace with others. You know, we want peace with others. You know, we maybe have work conflicts, family strife. You know, you got an HOA argument, you know, you get those every once in a while, you know, like, man, you didn't cut your grass or you got a couple weeds in the yard, you know, your mailbox, that's the one I get, the mailbox needs to be shined up a little bit and those kind of things. We have conflicts. For some, 
maybe you're not really looking forward to Christmas dinner because you have strained relationships with people at the dinner table that are going to be there. You know, kids, maybe it is a person at school or even your, your brother, right? We want to have a good relationship and we may have it one day and it's gone another. It comes and goes. We have peace. We have a good relationship and then we lose it because of this is what we've seen in Genesis 3 sin. But you know what also we want? We also want, we want peace in ourselves. There's an there's a inner peace that we want, an inner, we could use this word, an inner calm. Maybe you're frustrated by your lack of peace. You want to be satisfied. You want to be happy, but you find yourself joyless and you find yourself frustrated on your search for peace. And you're on a desperate search for it, but you keep finding yourself lacking always missing it. But see, in this ancient scroll written 700 years before the events that were unfolded at Christmas, we find hope. We find hope, and it comes in a unique way. You see, peace is only found in a person. True and lasting Peace is only found in a person. And here's the reality is you cannot have lasting peace without knowing the prince of peace. You cannot have lasting peace without knowing the prince of peace. And I bet, I would argue, many of you in this room, you probably know that to be true. You know that because you've tried to find it. You've in a search for it and you want peace and you're trying to find it. And where can I find it? I want this kind of peace. And you haven't found it, but maybe for some of you, you did. You realize that the Prince of Peace came and he came to give you peace. So if you have a Bible, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time in here uh, in this passage. But I want you to turn your Bible to the New Testament, so Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. It's going to help us understand who is this Prince of Peace and why did he come and what is, how is he going to accomplish peace for us? If peace is found in a person, what has he done so that he can give us peace? So Ephesians, again, that's a letter written by Paul in the New Testament. It's a small, short book, wonderful book to study. So Lord willing, we'll look at that together sometime and walk through the book of Ephesians together. But in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read it here. Listen to what Paul says In verse 14, kind of jumping here in the middle of a wonderful, wonderful chapter that I have so many highlights and underlines as I look at my Bible here. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. What a wonderful statement. Here is what peace, peace is found in a person. He himself is our peace. And notice what he does. Who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So here, all I want to do this morning, really briefly here, is in two, kind of two main, main points from this passage here is this, is as the Prince of Peace, Jesus is our reconciler. 
So as, as the Prince of Peace, here's this child. Who is this child? He's named the Prince of Peace. So Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, is our reconciler. He makes us whole. He breaks down. Notice, did you see the phrase? He breaks down the walls of the wall of hostility. Have you ever felt that way? A strained relationship felt like there was a wall literally between the two of you. You felt like a physical wall is in your relationship, right? Like if you've been married long enough, you know that that wall seems to come up, right? It comes up every so often. And that, that wall of a relationship kind of becomes broken and, you're, and there's hostility and there's, there's, you're not on the same page. You're not connecting. Here's this picture of this wall that has been broken down. And literally this would have been, this could have been, we see the description of it here and I'm going to mention that in a second. But it was literally a picture of the temple. The temple, the Gentiles, were, there was a section of the temple where they were allowed to come and worship. Outsiders, outside of the covenant relationship with God, the Israelites, in the temple there, there was a, the court of the Gentiles. And there was a physical wall that even had inscriptions on it that said, Gentiles aren't, aren't allowed any further. Something like that, to that effect. Like, you can't go any further. Here is your area. There is a wall keeping you from closeness and even getting closer, in a sense, to God. Here's this picture of this wall. And here what we see, though, is more literally in this passage here, we see this. For he is, himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing, dividing wall of hostility. By what, Here's what he did. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. You see, here he comes. He comes and fulfills the law. And what is he doing when he comes? And this is what I want to help you see as he's the prince of peace. He comes and he fulfills the law of God, the commands of God, the law, the ordinances. He comes and he fulfills those perfectly. Why? Or, or not why. Like, why is that so important? It's because the law could never be kept perfectly. The law couldn't be kept perfectly. I could not keep the law. The scribes, the Pharisees, they did their best to protect themselves from breaking the law, but they still broke the law. So why did the law exist? What's the point of the law? Paul explains this further in Galatians. The law was meant to lead us to our need of the Prince of Peace. The law is here in its place not to be like, hey, I've, I've got to earn it and I've got to make my way to it. I've got to get there. I've got to attain to God. So I've got to be good enough so that he will accept me. So I'm going to keep the law perfectly. I'm going to fulfill all these things. I'm going to try my best to, to quote, read my Bible and pray every day and, and, and make sure I let uh, elderly people across the street and I open doors and hold doors for people. I'm going to be a really good citizen. I'm going to do all these things in hopes that God will accept me one day. It's impossible. And here Jesus comes and he fulfills the law for you. Where you didn't fulfill the law, where you didn't keep the law perfectly, where you lied, where you stole, where you had an evil thought or, or whatever, all of those things, he comes and he fulfills that law perfectly in your place so that he can break down that wall and he can reconcile us back to God. Our relationship is broken. 
You see it as we were talking just a a little bit earlier in Genesis 3. Here's the the law of God, and they didn't keep it. They they broke the law, and all of a sudden now there's a wall dividing them in a picture of this is what we see throughout Scripture is they're, they're not close to God anymore. They, they, they need Him and all of these things, but they're, they're, they're distant from Him. They, they continue to worship other gods and they worship other things. And here Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace to reconcile. And He reconciles us how? How does He abolish the law of commandments expressed in ordinances and what, how is he going to create in himself a new man in place of the two? How does he do this? Verse 16. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body. Right here. Circle it. Through the cross. You know, we can, we can celebrate and, and sentimentalize the aspect of Jesus in a manger and this little child of Bethlehem. But there's a child that came with a mission. And this mission for this child was to die. He came to take our place. How is he going to reconcile us? How can he bring us peace with God? How can we have this, as Paul describes in in Romans chapter 5? How can we have this peace? It comes through his own death. So when we think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, it's an interesting thing. When you look at his life, it was not marked by peace. We've been studying the book of Mark together for over a year now. And as we've been walking through the the book of Mark, what do we see? We see hostility. We see brokenness. We see this world is all chaos. And here he is. He comes. And what is he doing? He's dividing, in a sense, because he's coming as the way, the truth, and the life. And so there's a line. There's a direct line. And you can't cross this line. You can believe in me or not believe in me. And what had happened was families are torn apart because someone does believe in God. And these others, all of a sudden, that, their families go away. They separate. They don't want anything to do with someone. Peace? You see, his peace comes through waging war. And he's waging war against all the darkness in our world. And he comes as this When we say peace, he comes as the prince of peace, but he comes as a prince of peace bringing judgment. Here he comes to be judged for our sins. And how does he accomplish this? He accomplishes it through the cross. Notice what it says. Through his death, what does he do? He kills the hostility. Verse 16. So as the prince of peace, Jesus is our reconciler. But I want you to hear the second one is this, is as the Prince of Peace, Jesus is our mediator. He is our mediator. Look at verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both, notice this, through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. All of a sudden now we have access to God. He is our mediator. He allows us access. He gives us access to God. He gives us direct access. Though Satan be our adversary, for those who are in Christ, we have an advocate. I love what 1 John 2, 
Verse 1 says, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, how many of you have sinned? Yes, that would be me. (laughs) Feel free to not put your hand up, liar. Just kidding. (laughs) But if anyone does sin, right? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, he came and he lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we deserved so that he could be not just reconciling us through the cross, through his death and through his resurrection, but he now intercedes for us. He is our mediator between us and the Father. He gives us access to God because he stands in our place. This is why he can say such a statement like this and also in John, 1 John, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins... Notice what the next line says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, notice this word, it's so important, just to forgive us our sins. What's the justice in being forgiven? How can he choose to forgive our sins? If I confess my sins, why can he say, you're forgiven? It's because the justice of God, he already has paid it for you. So when the accuser stands by you, picture it like a courtroom. Here's Satan. He is is accusing you. He's prosecuting. He's saying, look. He's looking at the judge and he's saying, Eric has failed again. He's had an evil heart again. He's accusing me. What what kind of defense do I have? Can my my defendant, can the person who's helping me and defending me, could he be like, well, Eric... He didn't really do that. He didn't mean it. He meant no harm. Uh, no, he's not that bad. But let me point to his, look at all of his past. Look at all the good things he has done. Look at these things. Look at his life. No, that is not what he does. He doesn't say, look at what Eric's done. He's not that bad of a person. He's done some good things. Like, you should let him go free. No. Your defender, your mediator, your savior says, I have paid the price for you. I have, it's already been paid. The payment for sin has been met by me. I took his place. And so when we confess our sins, he's faithful to do it. He will do it because he's already done it through his death and resurrection. And he will do that for you. He will forgive your sins because he is just, because he has already paid it. The justice has already been made. That's how he can both be a gracious God and a just God. If God is just just, we're all doomed. But because he's a gracious God, he came and paid the price for you so that the justice of God is met at the cross. You see, we can't just have a Christmas message without talking about the cross. I love what John 14, 27 says. This is Jesus, his own words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let me ask you, are you fearful? Are you afraid? Are you worried about what's in store in 2024? can't believe it's 24. It's really remarkable. But we think of this next year and you're going like, what's ahead? And maybe there's a lot of fears of the unknown, of what's ahead for me, or I'm not really sure, and you're worrying about these things. We hear the words of Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
Do not be anxious about anything. My wife this week was explaining this to me, and I thought, I thought she said it really well, of saying, of kind of, kind of picturing this sometimes of like, like a command, right? It's like a command. Don't be anxious. And like sometimes you can hear a command as like, now don't be anxious, like that being said. Like, don't be anxious. You shouldn't be, don't be, like you're being anxious again, bad, bad girl or bad guy, right? Like, no, you shouldn't be anxious. But rather picturing it as Jesus there saying, like, man, don't be anxious. There's nothing to fear. But here's what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything. Why? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what you get when you release to the Prince of Peace. You get his peace. And he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Notice what it does for you. What a great benefit this phrase is right here. It guards your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the Prince of Peace comes, and he's the only way to get peace. I believe everyone is on that peace quest. I want more peace in my life. I want more peace in my home. Like, I, I, there's a longing for peace and serenity. Like, people, we want comfort too, right? We want it to be serene and nice. And you're like, if you've ever been on a, one of those beautiful vacations, and you're like, just remember, and you're like, man, if I could just go back on that beach and just sit there forever, right? Like, it's just this peaceful place, away from all the problems, all the troubles. That's not reality, <laughs> That's not reality. But here's an offer, and it's an offer because a son was born, and a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Do you want to know this kind of peace and how to have this peace? It comes through a relationship. It comes through a relationship with the Prince of Peace. You want peace, it comes through knowing the Prince of Peace. Listen, this like it's chaotic. We have a, a crazy life. Well, there's all of the things in life that are in store for us. And here's this promise to us. And I love John 16, 33. I want to leave you with this verse. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. But, that would be great. We could just end there. <laughs> In the world, you will have tribulation, troubles, hardship. But notice the promise, because the Prince of Peace, peace came, take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the Prince of Peace, he offers peace because he overcame. He came and he lived that life, he lived the perfect life. He lived a life in perfect fulfillment of law, no sin. He comes and he's born of a virgin. He comes and he lives this life and he, he gets older and he grows and he comes. And then as we've been watching and, and reading and studying in the book of Mark, here he comes on the scene and he's restored. We see this picture of restoration, of wholeness, shalom, peace as he brings and he heals diseases and as he casts out demons and he's removing the, the powers of the darkness. And here he comes, the light of the world. He comes and he establishes and we get a, just a picture Get a glimpse of it as we read the Gospels of this peace, this shalom that's coming. You can have it now, but you also will know that forever and ever. In our passage, Isaiah 9, I want to read the very end. As we, this is our last time looking at this passage together. 
says, here's his name that we've looked at in verse 6. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. No more end. How can we know this to happen? How is it going to happen? Look at the very end of verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You can experience peace, and it's only found in a person. It's found in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let me pray this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for a gift that was given Tomorrow we'll open gifts and give gifts. Maybe some will today as well. And we think of the, this season and this time of year as we think of all the gifts that we'll give and, and receive. We thank you so much for the promise that we see of a prophecy written 700 years before the, the birth of Christ Jesus the Lord. We're told of a promise of a child who's to be born, a son who's given. And then we get these wonderful names that describe who Jesus is. Who is this born in Bethlehem? It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I, I know I'm sure there's some in this room who are, have gone through some really, really hardships this year. They're wanting peace. They're wanting to know this peace that we talk about this morning, this wholeness and completeness, and they're feeling like, I'm not complete. I, I have such an inner storm happening inside of me. There's not, there's not a calm inside of me. It's, it's chaotic. It's crazy. And I feel like all my relationships come, come strained and those things. And you're going, I don't even have peace with these things. Well, first, God, may we see that we need peace with you. So I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, take our place, to die on a cruel, rugged cross so that we could have life and have it to the full and experience this kind of peace this Christmas season. And as we head into another year, God, may we um, treasure you and adore you. And we want to do that with our voices uh, as we sing together, that we would adore you, Christ the Lord. So help us, God. Help us to not just sing with uh, knowing a Christmas carol, but may we reflect on the words and maybe sing it from a heart of worship and gratitude for the Prince of Peace. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.